N.W.A. burst onto the rap scene in 1987. A five-man, originally six-man group from Compton whose songs had much harder themes and lyrics than any of their predecessors. These were guys who actually grew up on the streets and were rapping about the lives they had lived. Gunfights, drugs, police raids, women, jail time. This was gangster rap, and somehow the music world latched onto it. All of a sudden, growing up in a world of violence and oppression was mainstream. Although they were, they were only grouped for four years, N.W.A. made an indelible impression on rap and hip-hop music. They also spawned some of the biggest names in the game for years to come. Dr. Dre, Eazy-E, and of course, Ice Cube. Apparently not made for the group format, Ice Cube left N.W.A. in 1989 after only a two-year stint. He made two fairly successful albums on his own before hitting pay dirt with 1992's The Predator, an album that spawned the single, It Was A Good Day. Chronicling what a great day in Compton would look like, the song became a party anthem for years to come. With lyrics that would make your mom blush, it seemed to appeal to people of all races. It was finally a feel-good song from a guy who had written about the realities of being oppressed for his entire life. It worked on all levels. Ice Cube became a superstar of TV and radio after this, and continues to produce, write, and star in movies to this day. Would all this have happened without the success of this song? Probably. Ice Cube gave us a song that still bumps from car stereos everywhere, though. Today on Hidden Jukebox, we discuss the 1993 track, It Was a Good Day. I think this was a good pick. I said I wanted to do rap, and uh, I sent you three possibilities, and you picked this one, and I was glad you did. Uh, this, you know, I, I remember when this song came out in February of 1993, and I had friends who had been listening to Dre. Uh, Snoop's first album hadn't come out yet. Obviously, I had friends who had listened to N.W.A., I clearly remember our mom was like, not a chance. You're, yeah. you're not listening to this stuff. But this track really, really like hit me where I'm like, okay, I think I don't know if I'm starting to get hip hop, but I can tell that I absolutely love it. Yeah, that's interesting. So I remember um, like my early hip hop memories, uh, Run DMC 1994, for sure. Uh, Raising Hell, like that was mandatory. Uh, so I would have been in like fourth grade at the time. Yeah, you, and- you introduced me to UB Illin. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, so then I remember when Straight Out of Compton came out, um, it was, would that have been like before or after uh, uh, Two Live Crew, like had their first kind of underground hits? Uh, that would have been before. Okay. Because like, I, I remember those as being like about the same time that, that those were like the tapes we would like pass around at school and like tape for each other. Like, you know, you, you're not going to believe what they said on this song. <laughs> don't ever play it for your parents they will kill me right exactly and like it was it was so much fun like this was i there was no mystery to why like every kid loved this music because like it much more so than like the beastie boys it's like this is the music your parents are guaranteed to hate like you know either it's about like fuck the police or it's uh we want some pussy either way like you know the you know this is music that we can bond over as kids because like parents wouldn't understand it Boy, I was wrong. I'm, I'll bet that you didn't hear Two Live Crew until after N- NWA, but they actually formed around 1984. I believe it. No, I, I definitely. So, 
87, I would have been in eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. Like, I definitely heard two live crew in middle school. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that I heard them in elementary school. And you were the one who would play me a lot of things and go, you got to hear this. And I would not have played and you, you would, two you live did, crew when you, when did. you were I, like I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying, hey, my older brother introduced me to two live crew when I was in second grade. And I thank him for it still to this day. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, it. it <laughs> It's what formed my entire life and uh, the music that I love today. That's um, right. So I find this song specifically so accessible because it's like a sing-along song. Everybody oh, yeah. seems to know at least some line from this song, if not all the lyrics. It was one of the first songs that I remember, you know, certainly Run DMC and the Beastie Boys had sing-along songs, but this was like gangster rap where... It was slow verse, and you could understand everything he was saying, and it made sense. It wasn't like these ciphers where you're like, whoa, that's really fast, or I have no idea what he's talking about, although there are parts of this song where I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I, I printed out the lyrics, because uh, I feel the same way about a couple of things. <laughs> <laughs> Such as? Um... So let's see. Well, I mean, there's a there was way more than I remember. I hadn't actually listened to the song in a while, and there was a lot more about playing craps than I remember, <laughs> including including. I did remember the line "What's the haps on the craps?" Which, yes, <laughs> because it's delightful. But then, like, it goes into so much detail on the craps game for like the next ten lines. So, I was talking to a friend of mine, Meg, today about the song, and. Uh, shout out to Meg. She says, he says, 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven, 7-Even Backdo Little Joe. And she's like, if you can figure out what that means or who Little Joe is, I would love that. Well, it turns out that a couple years ago, somebody wrote to Ice Cube on Twitter and said, my brother wants me to ask you, what does hit him with the backdo little Joe mean off today was a good day? And now I want to know. And Ice Cube actually wrote back and said, little Joe is hitting four on the dice. If you backdo little Joe, it means you hit it twice. Not easy to do back to back. Nice. This guy knew I a lot about dice. Yes. No, I like it. It's just like, I really like playing dice. And so I'm just going to put a bunch of that in this song, even though no one else is going to care. That's that's some brass. Did, did you ever see uh, uh, what what was it called? Oh, the World Series of Dice on the Chappelle show. Oh, I don't think I have. It's a uh, it's a skit where a bunch of guys are playing dice in the Marcy Projects in New York and it's being commentated by Bill Burr and another guy as though it's actually a World Series on ESPN. Okay. And, and the whole thing is incredible. It It's like all of these different characters coming in, throwing down money. And then, of course, uh, the game gets robbed halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the type of thing that, that white guys can't make jokes about, but uh, Dave Chappelle could do whatever he wanted at that point. Absolutely. Um, so the other thing that people kept talking to me about with this song is every time I would bring it up, somebody would go, well, you know, there's this whole theory about how somebody on the Internet figured right. out exactly what day was the good day. Well, it it's total bullshit. Uh, Ice Cube's been asked about this. He's like, 
you know, it's it's a fictional song. It's a, just an interpretation <laughs> of, of what a great day would be. I mean, right. come on. You guys have too much time on your hands. But Yeah, but people are like, well, what days did the Lakers beat the Supersonics? Um, and they somebody thought they had figured out that it was January 20th, 1992. And the way that somebody figured out that it was not January 20th, 1992, is they said, Yo! MTV Raps did not air that day, and Kim was eight months pregnant, and therefore Ice Cube wouldn't be giving her a booty call at eight months pregnant. Okay. Yes, I, I was I mean, like... That seems kind of judgmental. I, yeah, I'm like, that That seems a little unfair to me. Uh, Kim is Ice Cube's wife of almost 30 years. Wow, that's great. They're still together to this day. It's like his just-after-high-school NWA sweetheart that he met and stayed with forever. It's That's a love amazing. story for the ages. I, I think, possibly, when I was listening to the song for this episode was the first time I realized that when he says, um, let me find it, uh, So Deep put her ass to sleep, I think I always interpreted that to mean, like, put her ass to sleep like how your foot falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just realizing now that like it's like like the the synecdoche use of ass. Um, I there were a lot of lyrics that I'd never thought of, uh, like thought about until I started researching this week and realized like they're the type of things that I'd like to use in my regular everyday life and see if somebody goes, wait a minute, what's that? For instance, uh, I was glad everything had worked out, dropped her ass off, and then chirped out. And yes. I just I just picture myself saying to somebody, "Hey man, good to see. You. I'm gonna chirp out now. Uh, we'll we'll see you soon." They they're like, "What? You're, you're I going love to do what? I'm gonna chirp out." Uh, like all of these lyrics are just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I I wonder like how many are like things that he popularized or just made up and threw in versus like things that were like active slang at the time. I don't like I don't remember hearing any of this stuff. And maybe if I researched. Uh, oh, yeah. And you would have known. Like, <laughs> it's true. It's like I was not listening to, to NWA or to live crew when I was in elementary school. Maybe they threw stuff like this in all the time. Yeah. We also another album that went around was uh, was too short. Oh, yeah. Um, Cocktails. I, I don't remember which one. It was the one with invasion of the flat booty bitches. <laughs> invasion of. Let's see looking this up now because uh my, oh, and of course easy easy does it oh yeah i mean that's that's an absolutely classic classic album what's the name of the song yeah invasion, uh, invasion of, the of the flat booty bitches just make me say it over and over uh, uh, say it one more time the flat booty <laughs> uh, okay too short invasion of the flat booty bitches um i mean what you think i misremembered that <laughs> Uh, wait a minute. That was from 1998. That's why I don't know it. This is this is some late too short. Interesting. Um, and that might be the name of the album actually. Okay. Yeah. So that would have been like eighth grade for me, though. So that makes sense. No, I said 1998. You, you said already... 1998. No, no, no. That's not correct. That's a re-release or something. Okay. Um, I like. I just remember hearing Band in the USA by Two Live Crew in about 1993. We yeah. had this neighbor across the street, uh, Jason, 
that moved in while we were living in the, in the house that we lived in growing up. And my parents absolutely hated this kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I vaguely remember this. Like, it was like a kid who has a bad influence. Oh, That's my so God. Great. Like, like the kid who you, <laughs> who you meet growing up who's like, I've got a really, really stupid idea. Let's go and do it. And you're young and uh, just will do just about anything that the cool kid across the street says. And you go, yeah, yeah, let's go do that. So, like, like going and, and egging some kid's house down the street and, exactly. And getting caught because you're doing it in broad daylight. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, that that was uh, my Compton style life growing up. You know what you should have done? You should have chirped out. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I can't do this. I'm going to chirp out. And you go, cool. Yeah, I had a, I had a bad uh, like a bad influence kid friend across the street on uh, on Lambert Street, uh, John. Uh, he had ColecoVision or Intellivision. I don't remember which. I remember this uh, kid. And like a single dad who wasn't around very much, but like I don't remember Eddie ever getting into any like specific kind of trouble. He would just play video games. Uh, I I got into trouble. <laughs> so a lot actually, more in retrospect, you. maybe he wasn't a bad influence. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was just like a nice kid who was like having a hard time. <laughs> we we egged some kid's house the other day. You think that's bad? I used to go over to this guy's house and play video games. <laughs> <laughs> um. So back to Ice Cube. Yes. Uh, he he still does music to this day, but it was a little before this that he started Boys to, Boys in the Hood. I wish I almost just called Boys. You almost to said the he hood. started Boys to Men. He right? started Boys to Men. He started Boys to the Hood uh, in 1991, um, and by 1995, he he did Friday. One of the best comedies of all time. Which, if you've never seen it, I've never it, seen it. Oh my god. It's it's so quirky and and like you you can't really picture how they came up with the concept or how they wrote it. But basically, the whole story surrounds him and his friends sitting on a porch all day and getting high and watching what happens in the neighborhood. And it's really, really well done. Okay. yeah. No, I I remember seeing uh, I think you and I went to see Straight Outta Compton together. We did. Right. Yeah. Um. And there's there's a scene in there where he's writing Friday, and I was like, Oh yeah, I've never seen that. I bet that's a funny movie. He, All right, he, I will make a point. Yes, you've really got to go back and watch that movie. He was also in Anaconda, one of the worst <laughs> movies ever ever made. It it's also absolutely brilliant for somebody like you. When you can't breathe, you can't scream. Yes. Is that I, right? I think that's right. Uh, for somebody like you who loves the Fast and the Furious series, you're gonna love Anaconda because okay, yeah, it, I it's, definitely see it's that. on that same level as boy, this is really dumb but really fun. Yeah, I, I that's one of those movies that like things about it have like seeped into my consciousness, even though I haven't seen it. I think is that the one with John Voight like doing a ridiculous accent? That is absolutely the one. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> I I only saw this once. Um, one of one of the great memories I have of Anaconda is I went over to this guy's house once when I was down in Eugene playing a show and we were like staying at this random guy's house and he pops in this VHS tape and somebody had spliced together all of the most hilarious scenes from Anaconda that are supposed to be terrifying <laughs> or just are really bad lines. So basically just the worst, best scenes from Anaconda. And it's like 15 minutes of greatest hits from that movie. And he, and he was basically like, 
trust me, you don't have to see the rest of the movie. This is all that you need to see. And it was absolutely incredible. It's like a prehistoric supercut. Yeah, exactly. Like, like it's like cutting Jar Jar Binks out of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> I've seen that also. Yeah, so, I mean, um, it's pretty genius. Uh, so I saw on Genius. Speaking of Genius, on Genius dot com, someone credited Ice Cube with uh, with popularizing the term triple double via this song. I don't know really? if that's true or not, but it's possible. I. It it is possible. Like I guess I'd never heard it before this, but I don't remember the first time I heard it in regards to basketball. Um, I I think the song also popularized the phrase. I um, <laughs> I saw the lights of the Goodyear blimp and it read "Ice Cubes a pimp," but I'm also not sure about that. That could have come from somewhere else. Also, what are the odds that Ice Cube was playing in a basketball game where he got a triple double? Oh, uh, zero. Yeah, but it's his song, and he can say whatever he wants. That, that's that's true. I I also don't think that he ever saw the lights of the Goodyear Blimp, and that they read Ice Cube's a pimp. Although years but, later, there was a whole thing where the Goodyear Blimp uh, put something up about the song. It was a good day, but they would not put up Ice Cube's a pimp. Really? This is absolutely true. <laughs> I believe it. I, I gotta um, find this. I mean, I do. <laughs> There are layers to this song, I think, because like it is a it is a silly song that is like kind of pure fun. And then also like it turns on a dime and like the part where he says, you know, like, plus nobody, but nobody I know got killed in South Central L.A. Today was a good day. Like the the very subtle way he like changes, changes up his delivery for that. Like, you know, it kind of hits you out of nowhere. Yeah, it, totally. <laughs> like, especially, it's like right in the middle of the craps game. Um, well, okay, okay, they they put away the, the dice and start playing dominoes, and then he's like musing on how no one got killed today. So on January 20th, uh, let's see, January 20th, I can't, 2014. Is this the part where you confess to a murder that you did on January no. 20th, 1992? No, so, so because people thought that, that January 20th, was the day that he was singing about it on it? It's a good day, January twentieth, twenty fourteen. Uh, the Goodyear blimp displayed the words "It's a good day" on the side because okay. th- they would not write "Ice Cube's a pimp." But he has had his dream come true. I mean, the guy is is uh, he's worth a lot of money. He can do pretty much whatever he wants at this point. Well, except get the Goodyear blimp to write "Ice Cube's a pimp." Apparently, no. Well. <sighs> You know, we're we're all too PC in this day and age. So, well, there, I mean, there's—is it just that there are some things money can't buy, <laughs> like like love and and uh, putting the word pimp on well, a blimp? Well, they say that. What money, if he got his own blimp? Th- then like, it would be the Goodyear blimp. But what if he got his own blimp and wrote Goodyear on one side <laughs> and Ice Cube's a pimp on the other side? It was like, go ahead, sue me. I, I, yeah, I think that's exactly what would happen. I think he'd get sued. But you know. They say that money isn't everything, but I'd like to see you live without it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I wanted to discuss this thing that that I was thinking about researching this episode, which is what if Ice Cube never was actually gangsta? <laughs> okay. Let's hear it. Let's let's hear it out. So uh in researching this, I found that he went to high school in a nice neighborhood that was a suburb of L.A. He did live in 
an area that was close to Compton when he was born, but never actually lived in Compton that I can find anywhere. He met Eazy-E and started this group, and the group may have gotten trouble well on the road and doing things because they kind of became enemies of the state. Um, but prior to that, he seems to have lived a pretty normal childhood. He graduated from high school. He certainly created an amazing life for himself starting from a young age. He's been successful for 35 years. You can't find many legal issues. He's been happily married. Except mostly. for his uh, his courtroom drama with Goodyear. Yeah, totally, totally. That's still coming up. Um, <laughs> right. It's stuck in appeals. It, it might be a little controversial, but could he have been exploiting a niche a little bit just for the sake of making money uh, are you like if if so are you gonna fault him for this not in the slightest okay like, like i i think it's genius if you could parlay it into like a career but like i i'm sure there are people out there that that go well i mean ice cube really came from a rough life and it's impressive that he made it and i'm not sure that that's actually true i think that some of the guys in NWA certainly did. Yeah. But but I don't think that Ice Cube is necessarily one of them. Um but like it doesn't yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter because he was the most talented lyricist and storyteller among them. And it's, it's you know, true. He he actually wrote lyrics for Easy E's first album too. Right. Like like he wrote most of the lyrics for an NWA. album that isn't problematic in any way. <laughs> <laughs> I I find uh, n nothing controversial about it in the slightest. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know. It j it just strikes me as interesting. Like I I try to picture like the only other example I can come up with for this is when mass shootings at schools really started becoming a, a huge epidemic, starting with like Columbine. Uh, the, the kids who committed the Columbine tragedy, one of the bands that they were listening to was Insane Clown Posse. And oh, I, I don't I, think I even knew that. I remember Insane Cl Clown Posse doing an interview at the time and saying, how can anybody actually take what we're saying seriously? We paint our faces like clowns. Yeah. And, and it was like this admission that... Not that anybody ever did take Insane Clown and Posse seriously, but like this admission that they're just putting on an act that that none of what they rap about or sing about is actually real. It's just, you know, fun lyrics that they're coming up with in their basement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we, we have sort of different standards of authenticity for like different artists, you know, working in different genres of music and like different art forms. Like, you know, no one no one expects like a detective novelist uh, to have like, you know, detective experience or like have done some murders to really know what it's like. Um, you know, it's 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 partly because of like, you know, how rap lyrics operate. Um, you know, that it's that it's almost always first person. Um, but it's it's also it's just, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of this this, uh, you know, it's based on bullshit stereotypes about black men to a large extent, I think. Yeah. Well, there's stereotypes that come out in, in everything like like just this week. I read an article about the comedian John Mulaney that he just got out of rehab uh, for cocaine and alcohol and my mm -hmm. first thought was, 
John Mulaney's too clean cut to drink and do drugs. Sure, of course. Like, like that that can't be right. But yeah, I mean, if you heard Jim Gaffigan came out of Hot Pockets rehab, well, it's it's like uh, even Dave Chappelle made jokes about Louis C.K. when he went through that whole thing where he was caught, where somebody accused him of masturbating in front of them in his hotel room, and they're not, like, not just accused. He he admitted it. He, admitted he definitely it. did it. And and. And they're they're like, I mean, how can you be surprised by this? He's kind of a pathetic pervert. Uh, yeah, I, I don't buy that at all. <laughs> you don't um, you don't buy that. Well, I mean, I, I don't I don't buy the the like I mean, there there are plenty of people whose whose, you know, comedy or rap lyrics or novels or whatever are twisted, but that does not reflect the twisted things that they actually do in in real life. I don't think you can make that conclusion. Okay, that's that that's certainly fair. Um, but you know, there, there's like Dave Chappelle lives on a farm in Ohio and in sure. this in this small town that's made up of mostly white people, and you listen to the things he talks about, and it gives you a picture that he's like lived this kind of depraved life where where like he you know doing things like like talking about dice and the marcy projects he never yeah. lived in the projects like he grew up as a middle-class kid in ohio yeah it's it's interesting because like there's you know stand-up is is somewhat different in the sense that like you know you are doing a character but like you know where to to what extent like is it is it okay to to like make stuff up about that didn't happen in your own life um like at, at what point does that cross over into like appropriation right well i certainly don't think that ice cube is doing that or that no he, no i don't either and if he's listening to this my question for you <laughs> ice cube done. is have you even owned an ak and and can you get your own blimp? Like, why haven't you? Yeah, like like there there are a lot of questions that have come out of this song. That mm -hmm. what's that, the haps on the craps, for example? Well, I think that after this, apparently he'll just respond to whatever on Twitter. So I'm going to go on Twitter and ask him pretty much all of these questions. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Later today, the uh, the other thing that you pointed out about the song that I absolutely loved is it's exactly four minutes twenty seconds in length. I noticed that today. I'm so, so happy. I, I really want to know if that's purposeful somehow. Don't know. Um, why is it ironic that he had the brew and, and she had the chronic? I don't, is it because like he's known for the chronic? Because I don't think that's exactly it. I, I don't know. Like, like there's so many lyrics in this song that I'm like, what does that mean? I mean, <laughs> yeah. What was, was he just rhyming? Possibly, yeah. Uh, also, when you read the lyrics online, it says, then we played Bones and I'm yelling, Domino! <laughs> 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 and again, I just picture him like like playing dominoes. And, like he throws them down. It's just like, Domino! <laughs> <laughs> and then breaks into the Van Morrison song. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, that's that that pretty much does it for Ice Cube. I I love this song. If you haven't listened to it in a while, go back and listen to it. It's it's still such a good beat. Shout out to It's a slice of pure joy. Shout out to DJ Pooh for for coming up with that one.
Who oh yeah, the sampling in the song is very good. By the way, I forgot to mention that. Like, it takes two two kind of classic soul songs and puts them together in a way that, like, if you listen to either one of them, you're immediately like, "Oh, this is this is." It was a good day. Yeah, um, basically the NWA Dr. Dre way of writing songs. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll come up with uh, something completely different from this for next month. Mm-hmm. Uh, check us out at hiddenjukebox.com. Uh, Instagram.com slash jukebox hidden, Facebook.com slash hidden jukebox uh, on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton.